Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Let's talk about that speech with Claire and Rachel. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the Let's Talk About Speech podcast. I'm Rachel. And I'm Claire. And we're back for another episode. Last week was our anniversary episode, which was so fun. So if you haven't had a chance to take a listen to that, stop, go listen, and then come back. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and What do I even say other than, hey? (sighs) Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. So today on the show, we have Chris Winger, who is the speech dude on Instagram, and we are so excited to have him on the show today. Chris, thank you so much for being here for an episode with us. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pl- I'm so honored for you guys to have called me up and, and said, hey, Chris, we want you on this podcast. I am We're honored all about to- it. We, we are honored to have you. You are such a light, I feel like, in the social media world of SLP, and I think you bring so much to it. So we're excited to pick your brain today, um, especially in the area of social communication with adolescent and teens. So we're excited to get started with that. But why don't you tell us first just your background as an SLP and about the population that you work with? Yeah, you got it. So I'm going to fast forward a little bit beyond mm-hmm. my childhood. When I was... Um, in my first career, which was special education and being a teacher, you know, I worked with high school students and my mom uh, had grown up and she had speech therapy um, when she was in high school for stuttering. That was a big influence for me to say, you know what, I want to be a little bit more specialized and a little bit more specific to help others communicate. Along when I, along with working with kids um, in the high school setting, I would notice some of my caseload out on their own, sitting and eating lunch with nobody there. You know, this was um, pre-iPhone, so I don't want to date myself too far, (laughs) but pre-iPhone was a little different for the kids. So they would be sitting there eating their lunch. And you know what, as much as sometimes people have the perception of they would prefer to be alone, that's just not the truth. You know, that's a myth. It's like, no, we just need to build the connections. And I thought, you know what, this is going to be a great field that I can pursue. So that's kind of how I ended up at the IEP table, table as a male SLP. 
I love it. I love that. <laughs> um, so one thing that's really big on your Instagram platform would be, um, I would say like social learning and how you kind of target that. So can you talk to us um, about some of the specific challenges that you target with your students regarding social learning? Absolutely. So at the end of the day, my perception is working with students to meet the needs of safety always, mm -hmm. and to meet the needs to help them advocate for themselves, right? And really work on that whole self-regulation, co-regulation type thing. So the activities that I do that are built around that, whether it's body language, facial expressions, tone of voice, perspective taking, it's kind of all wrapped around and developing an ability for others to advocate for themselves. And if they don't advocate for themselves, then at least to build um, an ability to remain safe in situations, right? Because we can have students that are working with us that struggle with tone of voice. Yeah. But at the same time, we still want to work on that because if they were falsely accused of doing something like Amanda Knox was and put on trial and she was the mm -hmm. one that was guilty of murder because her tone of voice and her body language wasn't there, what I need to do with my students is work with them on these things to keep them safe when they're around the community because people misinterpret things. And, you know, at the end of the day on an evolutionary standpoint, what's the, what's the, what are we all here for? To protect ourselves, safety, right? We're not here to learn. We're here to really literally survive, protect ourselves, yeah. survive. Mm -hmm. That's it, that's it. And so those are really what I think the social learning challenges are. How could I help my students? So that way they do things that keep them safe. You know what I mean? Like if yeah. they're coming to school, dressed up in a Pikachu outfit. I could care less, man. Matter of fact, I encourage right. you to do it because that's what you like to do. And that's mm -hmm. gonna help me facilitate language. Right. But if you're on a Zoom call with your class and you decide to go to the bathroom with your Zoom camera on and walk, you know, we need a perception thing here because yeah. the teacher's not just gonna get mad. That's gonna get you in, um, connected into law enforcement. So, you know, yeah. there's th those things that I always think about. Right. Absolutely. I'm curious because you said the zoom calls, did you notice and kind of going off book here, but did you notice a difference or a shift in the things you had to start teaching when you, when kids started doing zoom calls and especially maybe last year when they had to do things over telepractice or teleschool, whatever you all call it in the school. But, um, did you notice a shift of the things you had to teach or did it remain the same? I'm just curious. You know what? Yeah, honestly, it was one of those things where we're like in a small social group of like three yeah. and they still had a difficult time turning on their cameras. I'm like, yeah. hey, you guys, you know what? It's just me and your buddy. Like <laughs> we can turn on the cameras now. We're not in like a, a class of 36. Right. And so that was a little bit of a challenge, but we did a couple of the things where we would get the cameras turned on. And mm -hmm. then I would notice that that sometimes there was this lack of confidence or this fear of communicating through Zoom. So I it was really a challenge to get my kids to communicate. You Definitely. know, some of those ones that would communicate in person became apprehensive on wanting to communicate yes. on Zoom. And I'm like, feeling like I'm talking to myself. So yeah. it was one of those things where I'm like, okay, what can I do to get them to say anything? Right. And that's where the creativity part and the, the activities uh, really came in to be effective. But yeah, absolutely. We all had to get creative. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So going back a little bit to, um, self-advocating, I know you talked a lot or you talked a little bit before about 
um, how one of your main goals is teaching the child how to be an advocate for themselves. So what are some ways that you teach a child to self-advocate, especially a child in that age group? Um, just because I know with my experience with teenagers, sometimes they are, can be a little moody and a little bit harder to work with. So I'm very curious to hear your perspective on that, how you teach those self-advocation skills. IEP goals sometimes and not all the times. And I'm, I've definitely fallen, um, into this trap in the past where it's like you come up with this yearly goal and at the end it's like student will be able to do x y z mm -hmm. um with no more than two prompts or whatever it is right but really the goal is we need them to advocate and become independent or if not independent at least co-dependent with where they're asking somebody for help mm -hmm. and so how that looks with me and especially now that we're back in person mm -hmm. is we kind of literally put technology down and I will just come up with something for them that they have to do to advocate for themselves. So last week, what I did was I said, all right, and well, for the lack of, of confidentiality or for the sake of confidentiality, we'll call yeah. him Johnny. Johnny, hey, here's what I want you to do, man. I just ran out of envelopes and I need to send an envelope home to a parent, but um, I'm a little bit I, you know, would you mind helping me out? We need to go to the office. So um, we went through the process of who would we go to? Where would we go? And then how would we ask? And so as easy as that sounds, let me guide you on how that went. We walked down to the counselors and he, he looked around. And I said, well, who can we talk to? He's like, I don't know. Do you think that person? I'm like, why would that person be a better person than that person? Mm -hmm. Well, that person looks like they work here and that person looks like it's a parent. Bingo. Okay. Well, let's go talk to the person who works there. So he went over and he said, do you know where I get an envelope? And then she said, you can go upstairs and talk to Jill Snyder. She's the principal secretary. Oh, so now he's having to learn these things stored in memory. Mm -hmm. He's having to get ready to prepare himself to advocate for somebody else. So we do these often. So it's like, Hey, let's go to another teacher's class and advocate for something. Mm -hmm. We set up opportunities. If I have a student that wants to play rocket league and they don't have it, but they want to go to GameStop to get it. I'll say, hey, man, the new Rocket League is coming out. What I need you to do is I need you to call GameStop and find out if they have it in stock. But I want you to find out how much it is. And so, um, so they go, okay, how do I get the number to GameStop? I'm like, this is what we call self-advocating. Mm -hmm. Like you're working on helping yourself out. And so it's one of those things too. And that's why I, I like to have the students really identify who they are if they have the needs. Like if they're in a situation where they have a really hard time understanding tone of voice, then maybe they could say, Hey, um, I'm an autistic student who sometimes has a hard time with tone of voice. I just want to let you know that. And they go, Oh, okay, cool. All right. Well, you might not understand when I, you know, put a little inflection on my voice, but I'm glad you let me know. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's mm -hmm. like, yeah, advocate for yourself. Like all of those accommodations in the IEP, are things the students should have, literally I have, I create an accommodation sheet. So it's on their phone. I do it in Google Docs. So at any time they can go, what's my accommodation? Oh yeah, in this class, I'm allowed a little bit of extra time and I can test somewhere else. Rather than having a collaborating teacher go in there and do it for them. Mm -hmm. The kids should say, walk up to the teacher before class or after school or before school mm -hmm. and say, I know that today we have a test. And in my IEP, it says that I can take it in a quieter environment because I, those distractions and your, um, your fan um, is loud in the back and the students five feet behind me are always tapping their pencil. Um, is that okay if I take it, you know, in the separate class? Like the kids need to be doing this themselves, not us. 
not yeah. a one-to-one aid. You know what I mean? Absolutely. That's really how you foster an independent individual beyond high school. Like yeah. these things need to be happening at a younger age. I, you know, my fiance, um, Jesse Ginsburg, I don't know if you guys see me posting about her on, on social media, but, yeah. um, you know, I got the concept from her. She got it from like a business class from her, but it was the idea of reverse engineering. We look at the kid mm-hmm. 10 years from now, and then we say, okay, where do we want to see them in 10 years? And then if that's where it's at, then we have to build up to get to that student. When I have a freshman on my caseload that comes in, um, you know, that's the thing I ask the parent. Okay, well, while we're working on our speech goals in high school, before we start talking about high school, where do you see your son or daughter in 10 years? And whatever answer they, they give me is where I say, okay, if that's where we want to see them, then what I'm going to do is I'm going to structure and draft some goals to meet those needs. Mm-hmm. More than likely, it's going to be a self-advocacy goal or an ability to go out and to state their accommodations to those who they need to state them to versus having other people do it for them. That happens all too often. And so, um, yeah. So, you know what, I'm, I've created some boom cards recently in the past couple of weeks, some on perspective taking, and then one I'm, one I'm doing on abstract language and stuff, but it provides opportunities for deeper conversations for speech therapists. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I have some questions there. There are some target questions, but it gives opportunities to say, if you're in this situation, how would you advocate for yourself? Or imagine if you were giving, you know, if you were in a job interview or imagine if, you know, X, Y, and Z. So that's what's kind of nice is I'm, I'm creating materials that are out there that allow for these conversations to be had. Right. You know, it's, it could be challenging by going, okay, I'm going to look at a bunch of YouTube videos. I'm going to find some big bang theory and some maybe some atypical clips and then build from there. That's just challenging. We want to have the deeper conversations with the students, you know? Exactly. Definitely. And I think teaching the skill to self-advocate is so important. So on the flip side, I work in schools, but I'm in a K through fifth grade school. So I can tell you right now, I have a student that I've been working on with this. He's in fifth grade. He has a timer on his phone for the day and time he's supposed to come see me. And sure enough, every single Thursday at 12 o'clock, he comes flying in my office, regardless of if someone else is in the office or we're meeting or whatever but just that I started working with him in first grade and he has come so far Mm -hmm. just teaching that simple skill and actually that skill we really focused on during COVID when we were teletherapy and he was really struggling to sign on and this is a student that typically would have a paraprofessional and obviously with COVID like that's only so helpful through the computer so um One thing I struggle with though, and I'm interested to hear how you kind of address it is how do you target like generalizing these skills? Because I understand that I'm only kindergarten through fifth grade, but I feel like if I'm not there or if the paraprofessional isn't there or familiar face or whatever it may be, that sometimes that skill kind of like goes out the door. Right, you know, um, I try to think about sometimes when a student gets beyond my speech office and they're out there and it's not happening, then I reflect back and think, does this student truly understand and grab the concept? Or is it because they've just been in speech and we've done a lot of these things over and over? And so we, I really go back, sit back 
and do kind of like in a reevaluation, like informal assessment type deal of, you know what, is this, does this kid know how to generalize this in my setting? You know what I mean? That's mm -hmm. really how I see it as. And so that's where the phone calls come into place. That's where we get out on campus and I go explore. So I can watch and say, okay, well, we've worked on this in speech. Now let's see if we can do this type of thing outside of the setting. But really it's a reflection of saying, did they truly learn that skill? Because mm -hmm. oftentimes there's a, there's a lack of generalization, primarily due to a lack of truly, truly understanding Internally. what it was that we were working on. Yeah, absolutely. So um, go, kind of going off of that, how do you involve their parents to make sure that they can support them at home as well with some of these things? Because kind of like going back to what Rachel said, okay, she sets a timer on their phone for speech, but then kind of carrying that over to parents, talking to them about, hey, this really works. So maybe you can do it for some of the things you're doing at home or whatever it is. So how do you involve them in that generalization of skills outside of school? Right, absolutely. On the, on the, uh, on the scheduling part too, I'll, I'll get kids with, you know, cause I'm in the high school. So mm -hmm. um, a lot of them will have a smartphone. And so we'll work on how can you use Siri to program your speech session or how can you use Siri to say, you know, hey, Siri, remind me on Friday at 8 p.m. I have a long IEP meeting. And then Siri will pop up and say, okay, I'll remind you. Is this correct? And then um, little simple tasks like that. Mm -hmm. Now to extend some of these ideas over to the parents, one of my things that I love doing is using like a program like Loom, like a Chrome extension. And Loom is like, you know, screencasting, but you can use it just for video purposes. Mm -hmm. And so what I'll do is I'll just create like a one minute tutorial or a one minute um, follow up at the end of the meeting, even if the student's there and I'll say, okay, Mr. and Mrs. Johnson, today we worked on this and here's what it looked like. Here's some ways that you can use it out at the house. And when you guys go out to your friend's house and the neighbor's houses, here's how you can use it at the restaurant. We were working on self-advocating and we were talking about how important it is for us to use our own voice to get what we want. So well, here's, what, here's what I want you guys to do as a family. I want you to go out sometime in the next week to dinner, but I want you to make sure that they're the ones that are doing the ordering, that they're the ones that are doing the requesting for the ketchup and the mayonnaise and the mustard. Yeah. And they're the ones that are asking for more napkins, like intentionally tell the waitress, don't bring me napkins. I'm working <laughs> on having my child ask yes. for napkins. Like yeah. whatever you can do to provide these opportunities so mm -hmm. that way they're doing it for them. That is so, so huge exactly. um, for their success as an adult, right? Or their happiness to do things on their own. Right. For sure. I, I love that idea at the, at the restaurant. Cause I, I work with a lot of children and teens who stutter and I always give that as homework. Like, okay, when you go out to eat, we're going to have them order, but then they come back to me and they're like, oh yeah, I didn't know what I wanted. So I just, they always make an excuse for that, but I love setting it up, like having the waitress not bring napkins or not bring them their silverware. So then they have to advocate for themselves. So that can work in a variety of different disorder areas. So I really love that. Yeah. That's a great idea. The phone calling thing too, you would be surprised on yeah. how many parents yeah. um, are kind of shocked. Like, well, actually I've never really had my, son or daughter right. make a phone call and you say well, honestly anytime they need a new pair of shoes anytime you need to go get some new socks or anytime you need to go to target to get some toothpaste mm -hmm. why don't you have them make the phone call to make sure that they have the product in stock even if you know it's in stock 
All you're doing is working on them, advocating for themselves. Part of it is this. So, you know, you, we go back to the whole um, positive behavioral reward type thing mm -hmm. where, okay, well, if you, we go to the restaurant, you order for yourself, what mom will do is buy ice cream after. It's like, no, no, no. Don't give any rewards for these types of things. The mm -hmm. reward in itself is them feeling like they're advocating for themselves because they haven't done it in the past. That's intrinsic motivation. That's what we need to continue supporting is the intrinsic part of it. Because once students start to feel comfortable asking and noticing, hey, I can do this, then that is intrinsic motivation. And then you will see that generalized in other situations. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. how that kind of works. Yeah, for sure. Um, when you were a special education teacher, did you teach um, high school students? Yeah, I was high school. You know, it's interesting because back in the day, it was a little bit um, different in regards to having a multiple subject credential. So I'm not kidding. I was teaching like science and history and English. Oh boy. I was like, what the heck? How am I supposed to have lesson plan for this? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I was just wondering because listening to you talk, you, I think you come to the field with a very unique perspective. You sound like, so at my school, I have three self-contained classrooms and you sound like those teachers where they're constantly trying to teach, um, skills and communication directly tied to real life community experiences, which I think is so, so important and something that is sometimes missed in our field. Um, so I think you just bring a really unique perspective that way. And I wondered if you had felt the same way. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the key. And it always comes back to, um, you know, if it's a struggle getting the kids to communicate or if it's a struggle by saying, well, they keep saying, I don't know, or if they keep doing this, then what we would do is we would just bring in their interests, like whatever, what's your interest? And, you know, if it's video games, then okay, why don't we play video games? Like I literally have yeah. a Nintendo Wii in my office oh. and it's like, you guys like to play Mario Kart? I will kick your butt. They're like, <laughs> no, you won't. I'm good. And I just, you know, I kind of encourage them to, to speak, yeah. you know, yeah. and so you know, I, I've recently, just a small little plug on my website, speechdude.com, on the therapy activities part of it, there's a video game section. So I have Frogger and Pac-Man right there. So yes. Speech, it's like, hey, if you guys want to play Pac-Man, go for it. That's going to keep the kids saying, I want the next turn. Hey, yeah. I loved how you did this. Hey, look, you guys, why don't we mind map Pac-Man or Frogger or whatever it is, you know? Mm -hmm. Those are providing opportunities in a fun way. And that helps the kids self-advocate for themselves too. That's such a unique thing to bring in because all of my teens that I work with love video games and they all yes. play video games. So they, that's, they love that. And they're experts and I don't know anything about it. So <laughs> yeah. I love the idea of bringing that in because what a great way for them to teach me about it also. Yes, exactly. I love that when I have no clue what they're talking about. I'm like, tell me everything. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. There's, yeah, their, their lingo, you know, their, uh, um, their lexicon within the video game world is, is out there. It's like, whoa, man, I never even heard of that kind of right. stuff. Right. Um, but yeah, absolutely the way to foster, um, you know, independent communication and expressive language. Exactly. Yeah. Well, any final remarks or any final pieces of advice, especially for working with teenagers? Because again, I just feel like some SLPs are a little scared of that just because teenagers are a little bit less predictable and they're a little bit harder to read sometimes. So um, just any final pieces of, of advice from you? There, the, the key, as I mentioned before, is to yeah. always remember that the kids just don't want to be embarrassed. And yep. 
the other thing is to, you know, um, do our best to play the, the double empathy card of, you know, we work with students who um, are working on their perspective taking skills and their perspective seeking skills. Right. But we also need to do that same um, always. And I think that that's important. It was interesting. I was listening to a, uh, I was listening to Jay Shetty. I don't know if you guys are familiar with his mm -hmm. work or not, but anyway, he's a, he's, he's kind of more on like the self-help, but like motivational type stuff. And he, mm -hmm. he had a quote that I thought was pretty interesting because it was by, it's from the 1800s by a guy named um, Cooley. And it was, the quote was aligned with the perspective taking thing, which was, I'm not who you think I am. I am not who I think I am. I am who you think I think I am. And I thought that was so weird because it was that it's not just my perspective of who I think I am. It's my perspective of your perspective of who I think I am. And how often do we go and we see somebody and we go, you know what? That person's probably not a nice person. And we make like a quick judgment just yeah. based on three seconds of seeing them from a distance. And right. then next thing you know, we walk over to them and we're like, hey, you know what? I'm your neighbor. And I haven't had a chance to say hello, but I just wanted to say that I really like how you keep your art clean. They go, oh, I thank you so much, sir. And you go, oh, man, I was off on that one. Right. Mm -hmm. All about perspectives, right, and how we live our lives. So I think if we can just understand, um, you know, our kids come from a different world and um, and, the, and the perspectives of our own selves as well as them, then we're, we're doing everybody a justice by doing that. For sure. Yeah, that's perfect. Well, that is a great note to end on. We appreciate you being here with us so much. One more time um, for our listeners, where can they find you? I know you said your website and then you can share whatever other information for our listeners to find you at. Yeah. So like pretty much everything you go to is at speech dude. So if you go on TikTok, it's at speech dude. I love that. Instagram's at speech dude on YouTube. I have 120 videos of just like little awesome. short video clips that are organized mm -hmm. with speech dude. My website is speechdude.com. And at some point in the next couple months, I will be having a course and it's on technology tools for the SLP. Like what's the latest, greatest, oh. and best? Like how can you meet the needs of all these kids with the tech tools that are out there? Yeah. And the things that we talked about, you know, on this episode are, are things that I am going to really go into detail. So it's going to be a really extensive course to change your life. That's the, awesome. that's the goal. Life changing yes. stuff. I love it. And I love the enthusiasm behind it. That's exactly what our field needs for sure. Yes, definitely. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Thank you so much, Chris. You've been awesome. Right Thanks, on. Chris. Thank you so much again. I really appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, Thanks. absolutely. Well, guys, that wraps up this episode. Thank you again so much for joining us. And as always, you can find me, Rachel, on Instagram at supersweetspeech. And if you or anyone you know is in need of speech therapy in Southeast Michigan, feel free to email me at speechissupersweet at gmail.com. And you can also follow the Let's Talk About Speech podcast on both Facebook and Instagram. So make sure you give those a like and a follow. And you can find me, Claire, on Instagram at kindly underscore speech or my Facebook page, Kindly Speech LLC. And if anyone in the Ohio area is in need of speech teletherapy, please contact me, kindlyspeechllc at gmail.com. Rachel and I also have an email for the podcast that you can email us with suggestions or if you or someone you know wants to be on the podcast, that's let's talk about speech podcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. Bye.